Welcome to the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we don't focus on those shiny, shiny new things for you to buy. We focus on the value and the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and a happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community repair events here in London that we call Restart Parties are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter and I'm joined by Ugo Valauri. Hello. And we're the co-founders of this project. And today we're joined by a special guest, um, Chef Ian Riley. Good afternoon. Yeah, he's going to help us learn about kitchen appliances and gadgets. And uh, Ian has worked in many different environments over the years, from probably top restaurants, don't know their names, but I'm sure he did, <laughs> <laughs> to catering for rock stars and co-founding his own small restaurant in Brixton called Cornucopia. And he's a really practical, hands-on person, perfect to talk about keeping a green and quality kitchen. So welcome, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit more about your background. Has you kind of potentially traveling light and not necessarily having the mega professional expensive yes, kitchen all the time? Some of the time, yeah. I mean, a, a chunk of my catering experience was uh, touring with bands, uh, another chunk was on <coughs> uh, yachts in the Mediterranean, so that's tiny galley kitchens. So I'm very used to making do with what's available, um, uh, very used to making do with small spaces, and therefore managing them in terms of maybe not having so many appliances, do you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Tell us about, well, from your perspective, what mm. are some of the your favorite appliances, the things that it would pain you not to have in your bag. Your okay, um, a really good knife. <laughs> uh, that's kind of fundamental to, to catering. Um, in terms of uh, kitchen appliances, uh, just a very good solid food processor. Okay. Um, really, beyond that, there isn't a great need for many of the things that we're kind of drawn to. Um, shiny new things, do you know? Um, I find a lot of them pretty kind of superfluous. Um, but certainly a very good food processor. Um, you know, the kind of, the one that comes with a couple of fancy blades so you can mince or chop, kind of, you know. Okay. Um, beyond that, um, I think, I think people, maybe a stick blender, you know, the kind that we stick into a pan and, and blitz soup with. Yeah. Um, those are quite hard to get with any kind of lifespan. Um, yeah, I can say that I <laughs> killed one last year. It was yeah. a moment of shame. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, we see loads of those at our restart parties. So I was, I was looking at our database, and we do see loads of what we what we call small kitchen items, right, Ugo? Yes, yeah. and they are a range of things that we see quite a lot with mm -hmm. frustrated people that are trying mm -hmm. to give them a second lease of life, and at times they just can't. I, I think what we notice the most is burned out motors and um, the, the, the food processors that have cogs. They seem to go... Yeah, cogs, okay. I mean, uh, certain, certain machines come with, um, all of them basically are just motors and a spindle and those power your blades. So, um, I think the problems come with, um, at price points, you have to expect certain things. So at your bin end price point, you have to expect really short longevity. I think it's crucial when investing in any of these kind of food processors, to really think about um, how passionate you are about cooking, how much use, you, how much time you spend in your kitchen. If the answer is quite a lot, don't be shy with your cash. Do you know? Um, people with passions need to spend on those passions. You know, it'll make you happier um, rather than 
kind of you know wasting it. I think I think that um, you know you need to be spending a couple of hundred pounds really on a good food processor to get any real long-term joy out of it. Not what a lot of people might want to hear, but that's the reality. Okay. You know? So, but my question would be then, it would be nice, interesting to think about, we've, we've talked about lifespan labeling. In other words, if a manufacturer <coughs> would tell us that that processor is... Uh, has been designed to last, let's say, 10 mm. years, I think people might be more willing to part with their cash. You know, if you see what I mean. So there would be a cost per year. Yeah, I guess the, the burnout comes as a shock to many people, perhaps. It's like, oh, mm. what happened? I, I think also, though, as we were discussing earlier over lunch, manufacturers might need to be a bit more proactive about um, getting people you know, um, aware of the fact that you know, if you're going to press that button constantly... You know, it doesn't matter how many thousands or hundreds of pounds you've spent it, you're going to wear it out, you know? It's like, um, I think we're very impatient, incredibly impatient, We, you know, in, in our modern lifestyles, and we need to step back and slow down a bit and every second of our, our waking. And I think that, um, you know, you need to approach that even with these machines. It's like, you can't just press, 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 hurry up, hurry up, blend, blend, blitz, blitz, I need that puree, I need that, you know? It's like, just uh, take your time and treat the machine with a little bit of reverence and you'll also get longer out of it. You know? Well, it's interesting because we have that stereotype of chefs working under mm. loads of stress and mm. time pressure. It's interesting to hear it coming from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we need to slow down, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I guess it, it really fits with our desire to understand how different machines work because at times you press, press, press because you're not really fully understanding why that's supposed to take a few extra seconds. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot, a lot of... Um, things in, in the kitchen, a lot of machinery in the kitchen that's designed to make things happen for us, you know, for for something something bulk to be processed into something smaller, to be smashed, to be blitzed. They all work on a very similar principle. Many of them <coughs> are just little motors. Um, little motors heat up, little motors create friction, little motors burn out. Um, and, you know, a lot of them aren't particularly packed full of, you know, lots of kind of muscles and 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 they do burn out um you have to expect it but you can like anything slow that process down with a little bit of care do you know um i i do i do feel that um we wear out many consumables through consuming them overly do you know it's like instantly push but we push everything we pressurize it too much um i think if you want to get some longevity out of your your investments in the kitchen you have to use them as i said with a bit of reverence and just you know kind of a bit more respect it's gonna it's, you're looking at years on the end life of them do you know yeah and we wanted to ask you like what are some mm. of the the longest lasting kind of uh devices like what are the device or appliances in the kitchen <coughs> that could last beyond 10 <coughs> years mortar and um, pestle <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, but seriously, it's worth looking at. I mean, in terms of all these small white kind of bench top goods, whether it's a juicer, a coffee bean grinder, whatever, you know, um, think about how often you're going to use it. Um, do you know, um, not only in order to, to make the right decision about how much you want to spend, but also, you know, how much dust it's liable to collect in its lifespan. And if you cannot buy it in the first place, you're kind of, you know, um, you're going down the right route. Um, things that, um, what was the question, frankly? What, no, what lasts long? So both in terms of the actual type of gadget, but then mm. potentially also brands that are just legendary yeah, that will last there, there decades. Are, there are, there are. I mean, yeah. in terms of, uh, I mean, it's cool to mention brands because we'll mention lots. I mean, in terms of, of, of longevity, um, a chef's favorite in terms of a food process would be a Robocoop. 
But unfortunately for the guys at home, that's like starts at sort of twelve hundred pound. Yeah, I think that's a bit. <laughs> <out of our laughs> it's reach. a fair whack. Yeah, <laughs> could even be eighteen hundred. I mean, you can you can spend as much money on them as you want. It gets a bit of hand. Um, but there are kind of uh, lower end aimed at home uh, manufacturers that that do a very similar job. Uh, Magimix is quite iconic. Um, it has a good spare parts kind of system, um, fairly good maintenance capacity. Um, they'll take the machine back off you. Blah, blah, blah. There's certain things you can do at home. Um, Kenwood, when it comes to if you're a bread or baker, I would always buy a Kenwood Major. Again, iconic machine, a bowl mixer. Um, as, as an you know, American, I brought up that we had KitchenAids yeah. growing up, but they're harder to come by and harder to service. They're here. harder to come by. I think that means because they're carried by less stores, you're less liable to come across somebody carrying the full range of spares. In my anecdotal evidence, kind of from, from myself and other people in the industry, I've often heard a, a lower kind of... Um, Satisfaction rate with KitchenAids in terms of how often they break down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I'd go, I'd go, personally, I'd go Kenwood. It's a very simple machine with very simple parts and, and, and very solid build, kind of, um, as well. Um, I mean, larger than that, I don't know, I mean, you, do you want to talk about just the, the kind of little things with motors? Or are we looking at refrigeration? Everything, yeah. Like, yeah. I thought we might bring it in. We, mm. we obviously don't service uh, white goods because people can't bring them to our events, mm. but we get a lot of questions about them in our events. So, yeah. Well, I think I think one of the issues is, um, okay, so let's, let's kind of hypothesize. We're go we're, we've chosen to buy one of these um, benchtop white goods, a food processor or a mixer or something. So we go at the store. Um, the minute we get our credit card out, the sales guy's trying to sell us an insurance package, right? <laughs> and they think, yeah, three years, it's only £50 more, it's totally worth it. <laughs> well, interestingly, do you know what I mean? If it's, uh, why are you paying, why do you need it? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't it come with a decent guarantee anyway? Do you know, shouldn't it be covered, firstly? Um, secondarily, often these have kind of get-out clauses for the manufacturers, like, oh, you tried fixing that, really? You jammed that in there? Well, do you know what? It's null and void. Yeah, yeah that's classic for I us. People need to make a clean break with that, and it's like if you buy something, um, once it does start to kind of, you know, hopefully it's lived a very useful uh, life, hasn't broken down, and then maybe it starts to get a bit dicky, or you think it's broken, I, I would argue that, you know, sort of 10 years on, when any guarantees have long kind of crumbled to dust, um, have a play with it. Take the back off. Have a look. You know, often the, the, the construction's simple. Um, a lot of things just unclip and clip back on these days in terms of motors and, you know, little motherboards or switches. Um, go online, look at um, some of the platforms like, I don't know, Parts Master or there's loads of them out there. Um, see if you can find the serial number of the part spend a few pound right and try and fix it because this is the worst that will happen is this you buy the spare part for a few pounds you can't fix it but you're going to take it to the repair guy anyway or you're going to phone up the repair guy anyway hey at least you've got the part you can't go oh i don't have it in advance sorry, or mate. you can come you know? to a restart party as or well. you could come to a restart party <laughs> with <laughs> your switch and your your white yeah. good and, and they'll knit it all together for you you know yeah absolutely um and one of the other questions i had is you know because there we we do get at restart parties a lot of actually older kitchen appliances that are mm. decades and decades old we've seen some really old toasters um what else have we seen? I'm, I'm trying to think if we've seen any old food processors. Yeah, we have we seen have. the odd one. Okay. Um, Gain mix and some of the Kenwood ranges from the 70s, they turn up in charity shops. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of which, um, big shout out to the charity shop sector in the sense that, I mean, there's a couple local to me 
It's a heart foundation shop um, in Brixton that, that always has loads of kitchen stuff. That's where I got I'm, my toaster, actually. Yeah, well, I'll have guys at the back, you know, um, fixing things, pack testing them for you. Um, it's a very serious option, you know, because you're looking at a third or a quarter of the price of off the shelf. Okay. Yeah. That brings us to one of the other things mm. I wanted to ask you about, which is, um, and uh, disclaimer, I've actually been in Ian's kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> which um, one? Yeah, uh, the home kitchen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't actually been in your, your workplace kitchen. Um, so there you have a couple of things that have been kind of, uh, well, that, that come from professional service mm. and have ended up in the kitchen. I think there is a bit of a, an with some people about getting professional grade appliances in their kitchens now what advice would you have for people is that a good idea i think it's a good idea if you're really 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 into your cooking if it's one of your your biggest kind of hobbies and, and you love it um if you're the sort of person that doesn't care for kind of transitional um aesthetics you know you don't care about it being the most fashionable then it's a good option um stainless steel pretty much tables from 20 10 years ago look like they do now and i'm sure in 10 years time they will do same's true of of some kitchen um professional grades tends to be silver boxes tends to be very simple <coughs> um but yeah i mean it does come with a better build quality of course it also comes with a heftier price tag uh, um, and you also will find typically that you cannot um, get them covered so easily in your home insurance. These kind of things, or any insurance package you might have, kind oh, of you know um, repair cover um, because they're professional. Tools. Because they're professional, but again, you know, um, they will go and go and go and go and go, and you'll take a slightly larger hit from your pocket when they do break down. But it should be less often. Um, and also, to be frank, you'll be, you know, if you go through yellow pages, you know, you find, once you find your fridge guy or your guy that fixes your fryer or your, you know, some, some guy that does it, um, you know, for restaurants and is happy to do a home visit, you, you'll probably create a great little rapport with, with them going forward. And they know what they're doing, do you know? Um, so, I mean, I'd actually kind of, yeah, you try, you know, it's easy to end up having, um, it's peace of mind. Once you've kind of got into the habit of this relationship with a, a potential kind of repair person, do you know? And would you recommend buying them secondhand? Is there a market <clears throat> for this? There's a massive tools? market for reconditioned. Um, you only have to look online at some of the big um, platforms for for reselling um, stuff for the for the trade. You know, I mean, restaurants uh, game is expensive, so I mean, how the the, the restaurant trade's very happy to buy reconditions, so you should be too. I mean, it's a huge part of the market. Um, and you, you'll often get, um, you know, a considerable saving over brand new, um, but it's just going to come with dents, typically. That's about it, really. But you'll often find they'll replace all the, the heart and the lungs of the machine, and it should be, you know. it's Again, it's going to cost more than what you can just take off the shelf at, sure. you know, your Currys or Dixons or something, but... You know? Okay, so what are your top appliances that people could get refurbished from from professionals? Um, okay, things like um, if you like your chips, a good fryer. Um, mm. Things like contact grills. Um, things like uh, you can get some of these. The contact uh, grills, sorry for the for the lay people, is the san is the sandwich. Yeah, maker? like a, yeah, but like the big one you see in your okay. local coffee yeah. shop for banging out paninis or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm sure some people want them. Um, Food processors, again, at the professional end of the market, your RoboCoop type things, um, you can get all these reconditioned. Um, fridges, frankly, do you know? Oh, I said that already, I think. Um, ovens, even, do you know? 
Um, okay. I mean, some people kind of salivate over the idea of having a big professional range, you know. I mean, you can, all of these can come reconditioned. Um, okay. You know, I think that's pretty much covered. Hello, you're listening to Restart Radio, and we're talking with Chef Ian Riley about how to have a green and a quality kitchen by buying appliances for longevity, using them better, and uh, potentially even buying reconditioned appliances. Um, and Ian was just telling us there's quite a bit on on the market. Um, where should people be looking? So is there is it obvious? Is there a website? Is That's there many huge kind of websites aimed at the at, at the restaurant? Um, I mean, what you need to do, you just you just Google terms like, you know, reconditioned um, fridge. Uh, you'll get, I mean, there's, I can't th actually, off the top of my head, I can't think of a single platform. I mean, a lot of them are just big companies, you know, with huge warehouses and a team of people just constantly reconditioning stuff. Um, you know, in some cases, you can go and visit them as well, you know, um, okay. and have a look around their warehouse. Um, but there's, I mean, there's tons of options out there. And, and they're not, they don't require you to be a business in order no, to buy them? No, not at all, not at all. It's, um, it's more cash in the bank, you know, frankly. Mm. So no, they'll, they'll be more than happy to take your, to take your trade, you know. Okay. I mean, it's all kind of, that's quite a grey area. I mean, it used to be, didn't it, that we, we saw restaurants as restaurants and home as home, but, you know, look at the growth of people doing street food. You know, everyone's kind of a bit of a, a chef when you get back home. So. Yeah, and I noticed that some manufacturers are making uh, appliances for both markets. They mm. kind of tend they they're, they're working across both markets. And somebody did. And we never really verified this, but uh, somebody did tell me that, you know, for example, the dual lit toasters that mm. are that are the in, well the professional or industrial versions uh, have slightly better access to parts. Although when I was looking on the dual lit website, it seemed like the home versions had just as many spare parts um, available. Um, yeah, it's interesting that for the business market, manufacturers seem to have more of a direct interest in ensuring a longer lasting relationship. I, I heard this yeah. also from some PC manufacturers that while they don't care necessarily about provision of parts for consumer laptops, they will certainly provide a what, wider range of parts for the business ones. No, definitely. I think it's easier to come across parts um, when you choose to have a reconditioned or even brand new professional grade piece of equipment um but that's kind of why it costs more i think you know people do ha instead of this instant gratification of <clears throat> you know i want a juicer i'll just buy a juicer you spend 29 pound you know it's completely sealed unit you can't even see a screw to undo to get to it. it's like you kind of got to expect that you know you're it's kind of done when it's done how do you get into the engine etc etc um you know, if you're serious about needing a piece of equipment, um, then put your money where your mouth is. It's 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 vital. It's vital. I, 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 and lots of things, lots of different things we can buy. Whether it's shoes or cars, the same is true. It's like you know, buy as expensive uh, in terms of quality as you can afford. Always when it comes to your kitchen equipment, you know. And I guess doing your research and mm. taking the time and mm -hmm. the patience to actually learn what you actually want to buy because even <coughs> you know comparing reviews in across the number of platforms yeah. can be quite useful yeah i think i think um fundamental to that is is before you even start researching all the different range of your deep fat fryers available or your juicers or your or your um food processors is 
really have a long think about whether you need it, you know, at all. Um, is your juicing phase going to be exactly that? Is it going to be six months of wheatgrass and avocado juice followed by collecting dust on the shelf? Um, I mean, one of the biggest investments in the kitchen you can make is on learning how to use a knife properly <laughs> and then buying a really good quality knife. Um, it's true. Um, you know, think about... We just... I mean, we're a big battery. We've got motors in our arms, you know what I mean? Use them instead of just flicking the switch every two seconds. Like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll make some juice. I'll make some pesto, do you know? Try doing it with your elbow. You know? Yeah. This is an interesting point. So we've talked a little bit about um, what uh, what uh, designer Jonathan Chapman calls emotional durability mm-hmm. in design. And he has an interesting concept of, and this might apply to, to some of what you're saying, is um, some some things that we have, some things we possess they age better with time and we have we kind of develop a closer more um durable relationship with them and i was going to ask you Mm. um what your favorite kitchen implement or appliance is and i'm was pretty sure actually that you're not going to mention appliance um what are the things that you kind of have a most emotional attachment to in the kitchen um yeah the, the things i have actually the things i have a most emotional attachment to in the kitchen are um favorite spoons Wooden spoons, you know. Wooden um, spoons are very trendy. Yeah. They're very trendy. <laughs> Get out there carving your wooden spoons. Um, they're, yeah, they're very trendy, but they're also very common. Uh, I mean, we need them. How else do we store our soup? Um, a good quality knife, uh, chopping boards, you know. So it's actually extensions of our hands are the things that I'm drawn to most immediately. Um, it's. It, I find it quite funny that we're so drawn to so many appliances in our kitchen, given that the the are all slightly obsolete in the sense of how often do you use them to their capacity? Do you know? Yeah. How often yeah. do you make that much pesto to fill your food processor? Do you know? Uh, it's for two people, get a mortar and pestle out. It's kind of, do you know? Ugo, how often do you make that much pesto mm. in your food processor? N- not that often, but, you know, <laughs> we do love pesto. And you're right that I think it's important to, to learn how to do it manually mm-hmm. in order to then appreciate, you know, how you can do things not yeah. digitally, but with the help yeah. from a food processor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Appreciating the process, the yeah. how to do things in the first place. Yeah, Ugo, I think Ugo I, got his start with slow food, right? Isn't that isn't that yeah. right? <laughs> so yes, I mean slow food also means that you take the time to actually prepare it, and yeah. it's not just about eating it slowly, which people always make fun about, but it's about learning that. It, you don't get the instant gratification that yeah. you need to appreciate, you know, I getting think, your I think ingredients we forget and everything else. I think we forget that these, I, all these devices that back in the 1950s were sold as labor-saving, time-saving, you know, more time with the family. But it's, uh, it's not the case. It's just uh, we've just got addicted to instant gratification, you know, fix it now, blitz it now, prep it now. And... Um, and yet, the amount of time taken on cooking family meals in the UK just keeps nosediving and nosediving and nosediving. You know, yeah. so it's kind of yeah. like throw all those, throw it all out, <laughs> you know, um, and and get back to basics. You know, and actually making food yeah, together yeah. collaboratively yeah. can be yeah. the best way to spend some yeah. quality family time. So. Yeah. Okay, but I just realized that we didn't mention the one device that many people uh, depend on, right, in their busy, busy urban lives, which is the microwave. And the microwave wow, yeah. is the most mm. loathed device mm. of, of, well, first of all, of our volunteers. Not, well, I mean, they would actually love to have a go and open them up, even though that's probably not recommended. But they just, I think, they, 
they just don't appreciate the the build quality and the basically they think that they're in a sense throwaway appliances in some way. So they're built with lots of obsolescence. We we see yeah we've mm. seen loads and as you well see them fly to yeah. <laughs> well yeah, yeah there's different parts at times the. The dangerous part is fine, but mm. the knobs go wrong and other things too. So I guess there's that to be keeping in mind. Again, how busy are we really um, that we have to use a microwave to boil our milk or heat up our soup? Do you know? I mean, it's. I would have thought that putting your soup in a pan and stirring it is a bit more contemplative, a bit more relaxing. You know, and you've got to do the washing I mean, up, though. Yeah, the dreaded yeah. Up. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever seen what happens if you forget about your microwave? It takes a lot of cleaning too. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, any special tip on making sure that the one appliance you you have will last? Yes. Um, kind of stop trying to wear out your your fingers and that button. So you know the one we've talked about most because they are good workhorses. Your classic food processor. Um, you know, don't just switch it on and then go upstairs to, you know, change into <laughs> something more comfortable, leaving it running. Motors have, like us, we've only got so many heartbeats, a motor's only got so many, you know, rotations. So just treat them with a bit of reverence, you know, dry them properly when you wash them. Um, invest in a, a little squeezy of WD-40 or oil, you know, 3-in-1 oil for the spindle or whatever. And just, um, just treat it with a little bit of, a little, a little bit of love, you know, and it'll give you years of pleasure. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of, actually, uh, we just come across an interesting story uh, this week on on the internet about someone who's uh, learned how to give finally a use to 3D printing in the fixing world. Um, his name is Rob Berthold, and he wrote an interesting article about how he had finally access to a 3D printer in a public library somewhere in the US. Mm. And uh, he had an interesting quote. I didn't know what I would actually need it for. And then he came across the problem that's been frustrating him and his family for a while, which is the top plastic cap of their refrigerator door that had mm -hmm. broken. And uh, so decided to have a go at creating the part which he couldn't find anywhere. He had spent years looking on all kinds of internet websites and increasingly frustrated that couldn't find it at all. And uh, he learned that 3D printing, as in designing your own part, mm. is not easy. It will take some time, but it's definitely possible. And it took him two iterations and a bit of few sleepless evenings or nights, but then he got it and he made him very happy. And as he says, he made him a bit of a household hero for an evening. <laughs> <laughs> His wife finally approved of the potential for 3D printing. So it's yeah. possible. Yeah, it's an extension of the classic sort of home enthusiast, you know, kind of um, trying to, to fix whatever it is, whether it's a leaky, you know, tap or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess we're a long way away from, from every home having a 3D printer where you can sort of run out new bits for your, your machines that are broken. It's fascinating to know that in the States as well, you can go into your local library and 3D print, right? Because, uh, I mean, we don't even have any libraries left in London. Ooh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, We've already had yeah. a rant about that <laughs> yeah, one on the radio. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess, I guess there's something in that. Maybe in the future, would we be looking at um, you buy a, um, an item from a, from a store 
Um, and then in successive years, you just come back and choose the part that you need to replace. Um, you know, and press a button in, in the store and it and it spews out a, a, a 3D printed part for you to take back home. Um, I don't know. We can dream. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, you've been listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, Ugo, can you tell us about our upcoming events where people can get help fixing their mixers and blenders? Yes, next Monday from 6 to 9 p.m. we'll travel to a new neighborhood. We'll be at the Stratford Library running the first restart party there. So we're looking for new volunteers to join the community in East London. So come and join us there from 6 to 9 p.m. on Monday. And we have a Skillshare event that's however sold out, yeah. not that we charge, um, for how to build your own PC next week as well. And that's for women. We'll give you a full report about how how we get on building PCs. Um, you can find more about the Restart Project on our website, therestartproject.org, or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Thank you to our special guest, Ian. You're welcome. Thank you. And thanks to OptoNoise and Cassini Sound for our music, which was made with lasers, spinning plastic discs, and some discard electronics. We'll catch you next week. Thank you. Thank you.